Thank you for listening to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast from Asheville, North Carolina. For more information on Trinity Baptist Church, please visit tbcashville.org. Or to learn more about our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton, please visit ralphsextonministries.com. The speaker for today is evangelist Dr. Greg Lentz. I want you to take your Bible for the next few moments. Mark chapter number 2. One of the locations that the group has been to uh, is in Capernaum. Uh, Capernaum is one of those places that was the largest major metropolitan city of the Lord's day. So you've got to put it in perspective. Uh, You've got the Sea of Galilee... And you've got all of these cities that are around the Sea of Galilee. You've got a Jewish side, a Gentile side. And on the Jewish side, you'll find Capernaum, Bethsaida, all of those areas right along the Sea of Galilee. Uh, There was an older preacher, Brother Estes Perkle, that actually backpacked and walked the entire circumference of the Sea of Galilee. It's about 33 and a half miles around uh, the entire sea. Of Galilee, seven miles across, 11 miles long. And uh, this is one of those locations. In the Lord's day, it was easier for them, traffic-wise, and, and to get to a location from one city to another by going on boats. So that's why a lot of times in your Bible you'll find, and they entered again the ship, and they went to the other side, or went to this side or that side. That's why they did that. That was their easiest mode of transportation in the Lord's day. So you think about that. They had either they could walk, they could uh, ride a donkey, or they could a camel, or they could go uh, by boat. So that's the reason a lot of times they would go by boat. This is one of those ports. This is one of those cities. This is one of the major metropolitan cities of the Lord's day. It was the largest city of the Lord's day. And it was the city where literally he housed his ministry at. And so the fame of Jesus, the fame of the disciples, all of that uh, went around and went with them when they came back to the shores of Capernaum. Now, if you were to go over today, Capernaum is nothing. It's a, it's a demolished wasteland. And uh, still to this day, it's cursed, just as Jesus did because of their rejection of the gospel. It is still cursed to this day. And uh, as valuable as that land is, as valuable as all of the property is there in Israel, it is still cursed to this day because when Jesus took the, uh, took the, uh, the light away, then it became a dark city. It became cursed and literally wiped out by uh, volcanic activity and different things that happened there. And now there's no longer any existence in Capernaum. This is where Jesus comes to in Mark chapter number 2. And um, I want us to think about our April the 12th date as we're going through these scriptures in Mark chapter number 2. Now notice this. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noise that he was in the house. Uh, Again, the fame of Jesus, the disciples, they get off the boat, they come to Capernaum and everyone starts noising and making a noise that Jesus is back home, he's there and he's beginning his ministry again at Capernaum and he goes into one of those houses 
and he begins to preach the gospel, begins to preach the word of God, and all of those masses come together. And it was noise. They went through the community, went through the village, went through the marketplace, went everywhere. Hey, come and see. Jesus is back with us. Come. They made a noise. It ought to be that way at the house of God. Can I get a witness? It ought to be that way every time we come on this property. There ought to be a noise that arises from this location that Jesus is in the house. It should not be a noise of of strife. It should not be a noise of division. There should not be a noise of problems. It ought to be a noise of comfort and that Jesus is inside the house at Trinity Baptist Church. And so every time that we come together, think of it this way. They were excited to be there. They were excited to hear Jesus. They were excited to hear the word of God. They were excited to see Jesus moving in their midst and working among them that they made a noise everywhere they went. May God help us not to be silent Christians. May God help us not to just sit still and let the rocks cry out in our place, but we ought to be individuals that are excited about the Son of God, that we're excited about who Jesus is, and we ought to be a noisy crowd at the house of God, making a noise that Jesus is in the house. Can I get amen? And so notice what happens. When Jesus gets on the property, gets in the house, begins to preach the word of God, notice what begins to happen in verse number two. And straightway many were gathered together. And the scripture goes on to tell us, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. There was so many people coming to hear Jesus, the house where he was preaching could not contain the people. Wouldn't it be something if we would fill this place to capacity and overflowing on April the 12th with so many people coming to hear the preaching of the word of God that the people around us outside the building, there would be as many standing outside as there is on the inside. That's what happened in this passage of scripture. There were so many people gathered together that they could not receive any more in the house it was filled to capacity now notice what happens when they fill the house there gets the heart of four men that becomes burdened over their friend for in verse 3 and they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four Now, again, let me explain that word born of four. It does not mean that they were kin, okay? It does not mean that that, that they knew everything about each other. They were buddies. They were friends. It means, that word means to lift or to carry. It means they had a burden. It means they were, they were desiring to see their friend get to Jesus. So to get their sick friend to where Jesus was, they had to lift and they had to carry him. Every person in this building, 
If we are going to reach people in these last days with the gospel of Jesus Christ, there must be a lifting and there must be a carrying that occurs in our spiritual walk that we lift and carry men to where Jesus is. So when Jesus comes to this house, he's preaching the word of God and all of these masses of people are gathered together. Here is four men that catch a vision, four men that carry a burden, four men that have a desire, and they saw the vision of their friend down the street that needed Jesus. All oh, that God would give us a vision. All oh, that God would give us a desire. All oh, that God would give us a heartbeat that we could see our friend down the street, our mom down the street, our dad down the street, individuals that we work with down the street and say, God, would you let me lift them and would you let me carry them to the throne of Jesus Christ where they could be saved by the marvelous grace of God? It's a responsibility that I have and that you have. So here in these verses, these four men start this journey to pick up their friend. Now, everybody in this building can be like the four. Everybody in this building can be like these men. Every one of us have to take the responsibility that we all have somebody that needs to be lifted and carried to Jesus. Now, by a raised hand in this building, how many would be honest? I've got lost friends, loved ones, acquaintances I go to school with, I work with, or somebody that I know that is not a Christian. Would you wave at me all over the building? Okay, you're like the four. Who is going to carry the vision for those that you just lifted your hand over? Who's going to carry the burden for those that you just lifted your hand over? Who is going to carry and do the work for those that you just lifted your hand over? It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. It is our responsibility to do our part to get people to Jesus so they can be saved by the grace of God. Can I get amen? Now follow with me. Now, I'm going to use our distinguished pastors to help me illustrate this. I'm going to come down on the floor. Now, as they come over here to help me, and we're going to, we're going to make them work for just a moment. This man that is down the road from this house where Jesus is preaching, all right? Get the picture. I'm trying to paint you a portrait of what this story is talking about. They go down and they leave the house where Jesus is at. And these four men got a vision, carried a burden, had a desire to reach their friend and bring him back to the house where Jesus is preaching. Everybody with me so far? Now, it does not say how far they had to travel. It does not say how much that man in his bed weighed. But let's just take me for example. I'm about 165 or so pounds. And, and, and if I was laying on a bed 
And this is the boys that's coming after me or the men that's coming after me. That sick of the palsy, which, which means he's crippled, he's helpless, he's hopeless, he cannot get there himself. The only way he's getting to where Jesus is is somebody must come after him and get him there. You got the picture? And so here these four men are and they catch this vision, they catch this burden and they go to the house where their friend is at and they pick up his bed. Now if I was trusting enough, I'd get on the shoulders of my friends, but I'm not because I don't have a bed to lay on. But if they were to lift and to carry, that means they've got to bend down low and they got to raise up high that individual and begin the process of carrying him to where Jesus is at. Now, follow with me. At any moment, at any time on this journey, let's go walking and they're coming to the house where Jesus is. Notice every one of those men are going the same direction. Every one of those men is carrying the same burden, the same vision, and the same desire, and they're walking the same pathway. At any moment, if one of them decided, well, I want to go to the left, and I want to go to the right, they would have veered off course. That means that their steps and their vision and their burden had to be unified together. That means everybody in this building, when we come together on April the 12th, asking God for a miracle Sunday, then we've got to be unified together saying, Oh God, Give me that vision, give me that burden, give me that desire, give me that hunger, give me that thirst that I come together and say, God, would you do something for my families and my friends and for this church that we've never seen before and let's walk in step together. Everybody agree? So notice what happens. They come to the house. They get this man out of the house and they come to where Jesus is preaching. Now they're walking, they're carrying me, let's just say they're carrying me, and they come to the first obstacle. They've got steps. If you go, to, if you go over to Capernaum, and those houses were built with flat-pitched roofs on them, and they had stairwells on the outside of the houses. And so when they came to this house, they saw the house filled to capacity. They saw the crowd was overflowing that house. And if it would have been most Baptists, they would have said, well, we done our job. We got them there. Can I get a witness? But what they did, they went the extra mile. They went further than they had to go. They went more than they were even uh, commandeered to do. But these four men saw the obstacle and they're carrying this man that's sick and nigh unto death and they come to the house that's filled to capacity and the only way they can get their friend to where Jesus is is they saw that stairwell on the outside of that house and for them to begin the process of getting their friend to where Jesus is they started coming and we're going to sidestep these stairs 
But notice, they've got a lift, they've got a carry, and they've got a sidestep to get to the house. And on top of the house, they bring that man that is sick with the palsy and they bring him to the house in Capernaum where Jesus is down beneath there. Now think of it on the flip side. This is those men carrying a burden. This is those men going in direction. This is those men going in the same step. This is those men believing the same God for the same person, for the same individual. But now think of it. Here's that lost man that they're carrying. And the whole time he's thinking, why would you love me that much? Why would you care for me that much? Why would you put all that effort into reaching me? And they're thinking the whole time, if we could just get him to where Jesus is if we could just get him to the son of God if we could just get him to the life giver we know everything is going to be okay and his life's going to be touched by the glory of God and the whole time both of them together one's thinking why would you love me and the other's thinking I'm getting you to the reason why I'm getting you to the person that can make a difference in your life now think of this They get to the top of the house, they have another problem. Now in the Lord's day, y'all studied as much as I have, they did not have rent-all. No. United Rental. No. They did not not have the Lowe's or the Home Depot down the road. No, sir. So how did they begin this process? They had to let that man down beside of them. And the Bible says in these verses, and when they could not, in verse 4, come nigh to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. How'd they do it? On their hands, on their knees, and literally very carefully, because the way those pitched houses were put together, those roofs were, They literally had to peel back the tar and the leaving and all of those things that was on there and they literally had to break it open large enough to get that man in his bed down in front of where Jesus was. I never heard or never see in this scripture where they said, well, we got to stop and have a business meeting. Who's going to pay for that hole? I never stop for a moment and say, well, we got to have a building committee meeting because that's going to cause a lot of damage. The whole time they're consumed with getting their friend to Jesus. It did not matter the cost. It did not matter what they went through. It did not matter the adversity they faced. All they saw was Jesus was there and their friend needed to get in front of him and just so happens if they could get their friend in front of Jesus, Jesus would touch their friend's life. May God help us to see Everything that we ought to be involved in is keeping the main thing, the main thing. Keeping the gospel going from this place that men and women and children and teenagers can be transformed by the power of a living God. They broke up the roof. Then they had the next obstacle. They let down the bed. 
You see they're unified, but number two, you see their unselfishness. It did not matter who was in the front carrying the load, who was in the back. It did not matter who was on the right or who was on the left. It did not matter if their name was on the sign or they just sat on a pew. It did not matter if they got to sing or they didn't. It did not matter if they got to pray or they didn't. It did not matter if they got to teach or they didn't. It didn't matter. No, all that they were consumed with was getting their friend to Jesus. Every person in this building must lose that selfish mentality when it comes to reaching people with the gospel. All we should be consumed with is getting Jesus to as many people as we can. The main thing, the main thing. Doesn't matter who gets the glory. All we want is Jesus to get the glory. It doesn't matter who gets the credit. All we want is Jesus to get the credit. It doesn't matter if you get a pat on the back or if I get one. All that matters is we pat Jesus on the back and say thank you for dying for us and thank you for giving your life for us and thank you for saving our friend that he or she was saved by the grace of God. To do what they're about to do Not only did they have to be unified and unselfish, but they had to have the unction of the Holy One. When God gave them this burden, I believe on their journey to the house where this man was, they were thinking and praying, Oh Lord, please be with us. Please help us. On Sunday, April the 12th, we've got to come in here unified, We've got to come in here with an unselfish spirit and we've got to come in here praying for the unction of the Holy One to permeate this place in such a magnitude that when our friends are here, our family is here, our acquaintances are here, that they will be under conviction and come in contact with the Holy Spirit of God and He will point them to the living Lamb of God unction, his power, his glory, his touch, his anointing, his presence in this place. Think of this. And when Jesus, let me just throw this in very quick. If you're in construction in this building, if I were to come into this building and break a hole inside of this roof structure, No matter how careful I am, particles are going to fall to the ground, right? Stuff's going to start coming down. Jesus is preaching to the multitude. Stuff starts coming down. It gathers his attention. And he sees what's happening. And as they let this man down again, they've got to bend way down. And low as they can, and with a brokenness and a burden and probably bleeding hands already, they begin to let their friend down through the hole they just made to the feet of Jesus. And notice what the scripture said. The scripture doesn't say, when I saw the boy's faith. The scripture does not say, when I saw the multitude's faith. No, the scripture says in verse number 5, which is the verse for grace. He says, when I saw 
their faith. When I saw the effort and the time and the burden and the compassion and the brokenness and the desire and the love that these men had for their friend, when I saw their faith, I said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Right then, Jesus touched their friend. Thank you, guys. And notice what the scripture says. And after Jesus touches their friend, in verse number 12, it says, And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and they glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Wouldn't it be something Sunday morning we leave here and we just walk out of this building glorifying God saying we've never seen it like this before. We've never seen the multitudes come like this before. We've never seen so many people being saved like this before. We've never seen so many homes being put together like this before. We've never seen so many households being changed like this before. We could go out of here magnifying and glorifying the God that saved us and changed us and helped our friends and they could walk out of here brand new. Not only did Jesus touch him spiritually, but the scripture said he touched him physically. He made him whole. And when Jesus passes by, he's got the power and the authority and the ability to make you whole for the glory of God and you walk out of this place well done, satisfied that you are saved by the grace of God and changed by the power of his might and you walk out of here saying, praise God, I'm glad my Redeemer lives and I know that he just changed lives for the glory of God. Notice this. Not only were they unified, Not only were they unselfish, not only did they ask for the unction, but fourthly, they saw the urgency of the moment. Jesus was there. The opportunity was there. The living lamb was there. And he opened and preached the word unto them. And they saw the urgency to get their friend to where Jesus is. Everyone in this building must understand and see the urgency of the opportunity. The urgency. This may be the last opportunity we have to persuade a man, a woman, a teenager, a child to come And we're praying for the unction. We're praying for Brother Ralph as he stands to preach the word unto them. But we got to do our part and see those that we're praying for come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now think of this for just a moment. As these individuals 
were going to where Jesus was at, they saw the urgency behind it. Now, I want you to think for just a moment, and tonight we're going to bring all of this together. If you have a three-by-five card you can get this afternoon, whatever, you can pick it up anywhere at the store. Every person in this building has a one individual. Notice these four men did not go for their whole city of Capernaum. They went for one. Everybody got that? They went for one. What would happen if every person in this auditorium said, God, show me my one. Show me my one. Show me that individual that's lost. Show me my family member that's lost, my friend, my acquaintance, my loved one. Show me my one. And you may be the very one that God will use to reach that one. My cousins, I was their one. They worked on me. They prayed for me. They bugged me. Huh? They went after me. They invited me, brought me to a camp meeting where some crazy preacher by the name of Ralph Sexton was preaching. He began to preach the word unto them. And the Holy Spirit gave unction to it. God convicted my heart. I got saved by the grace of God. 30 years later, I'm still here testifying of the grace of God and the mercy of God and the power of God and the lifting of Jesus Christ. What I'm trying to say, I was somebody's one. You were somebody's one. Some little granny prayed for you. Some little mama prayed for you. Some little daddy prayed for you. Some little aunt prayed for you. You were their one. And they lifted and they carried you to where Jesus was. Now, it's our time. Who is your one? I want you to take a three by five card this afternoon. Here's your homework. Write down that one person. I don't don't want you to write 20 names. I want you to get one. I want you to think about, God, who is that one you want me to reach on April the 12th? Who is that one you want me to influence on April the 12th? God, who is that individual that you've placed upon my heart? And while I've been preaching, God has already started showing you your one. Huh? And I want you to write that name down, and then I want you to bring that with you tonight to church. And we're going to dig a little deeper in this well because everybody here has a one now I went to college I went to high school and I can do a little math if everybody here reaches one guess what happens to Trinity what Doubles. 
How many? Doubles. How much? Doubles. What would happen if everybody got consumed in reaching their one? There's Christians that will leave this earth that will never reach one person with the gospel of Jesus Christ in their entire Christian life. But don't let that be said about you. When you get to glory, you'll be able to testify that Sunday morning that God placed that one on your heart and on your mind and in your life and you can testify to the Lord and say, here they are with me. I reached them because you reached me and now we can testify together that we were and they were our one. Think about that today. As you go from this place Who is your one? I want us to stand all over the building. And I want you to think about this morning. Would you you pray right there where you're at? Lord, What Brother Greg was preaching this morning, let me catch the vision of it. Let me see the burden of it. Let me have the compassion for it. God, would you let me find and reach and show me my one? It may be a son, it may be a daughter, it may not even be anybody that's acquainted to you or a relative of yours. It may be a law officer. It may be a congressman. It may be somebody that you're burdened for that you know. And you're going to pray this afternoon, God, show me my one. You say, what can I do as an elderly person? You can reach your one. I had a little granny that prayed for me, reached me, prayed for me. All all of these people were involved in me getting to Christ. Huh? They played their role. They played their part. You you may be a a teenager. What can I do? You can reach your one. You may be a child in this middle. What can I do? You can reach your one. It may be a classmate. It may be somebody you go to school with. It may be a teacher that stands in front of you. But you can reach your one. And today... How many of you would covet with me on this platform and say, Brother Greg, I'm going to lift up my hand by the best of my ability. If the Lord brings it to my attention this afternoon, I'm praying God has shown me my one. Would you lift up your hand all over this building? All over this building, all over this building. God, show me my one. Now, as God shows you your one, you got to do like these boys and these men. They lifted, they carried, they went the extra mile, they did their part to get their friend in front of Jesus. And they knew if they could just get him there, Brother Larry, Jesus would touch him. And he did. If we could just get him here, 
we know Jesus would touch them, and he will, if we just do our part to reach our one. Father, I pray you consummate this message, not just a sermon on a piece of paper, but a message to the hearts of these people in front of me. God, that you've given us an opportunity, but in the same turn, you've given us a responsibility. God, would you show them right now, beginning right now, that one, that individual, that friend, that relative, that work person that they work with, someone they know, someone they talk to very frequently, or someone they may just talk to every once in a while. But God, would you give them the vision of that one being lost and undone. And God, if they don't get saved, give them the vision of what's going to happen in eternity to that one if we as individuals don't reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you. Help us to return this evening at 5 o'clock. And Lord, help us to bring those cards with us this evening and have that one person's name on that card with us tonight. And we'll give you prayers and thanksgiving for it. And all God's people said, Thank you for being with us today. I pray that today God spoke to your heart. You know, it's one thing to hear Ralph talk. It's one thing to hear a choir sing. It's one thing to hear a group bring a special song presentation. But it's altogether different when you're sitting there in that hotel room, in your house, maybe listening on your phone while you're at work, and God speaks to your heart. That's not me. That's not a Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian church. That's God. That's personal. That's you. And the Bible teaches quite clearly that when God touches your heart, when He speaks to you, that you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Bible teaches that all of us have to have Him. You say, well, Brother Ralph, your dad was a preacher. My dad being a preacher couldn't help me. Well, you say your mama taught Sunday school and she prayed. That couldn't help me. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, not me, not the Baptist, the Bible says, that there's none righteous, though not one. Today is the day of salvation. You can begin anew. It can start over. The past can be covered by the blood. You can get out of living in your rearview mirror, the guilt, the problems. God can forgive you and you can start over today. You say, Brother Ralph, how's that possible? Well, a simple prayer is that very beginning. God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. And I promise you, God, from this day forward, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. You can begin again in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you call us, you write to us. We'll send you a copy of the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to get into a local church, a church in your community, that you can have a fellowship of faith, 
that will help you grow and teach you about the Word of God. Today's the day of salvation. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Let's serve the Lord together and let's meet each other in heaven. I'll be praying for you and I ask you to pray for me.